0: Hello, welcome in Kamista thank you for joining me. My name is Hao. I am your occupational therapist. In this episode, I would like to talk to you about the visual sensation and we'll talk about some visual subsystem. Uh, Visual subsystem is something that is really one of those things that you would like to assess, particularly when you want to when you're doing your neurological assessment. And uh, so what happens is, say, you come across with a patient after a stroke or just recovering. There are a few things that you wanted to see. First, you have to observe how they are looking at you. You know, are they acknowledging you? Are they looking at you? And this is, are they following you? So this is called visual tracking. Yeah. So at first glance, have a look at the eyes from a distance just look. Does it look like it is in alignment with one another? So you're just doing on the functional side of things. You're not doing any lights. You're not putting on the lights on the, uh, on, the on the side uh, on the eyes and just seeing whether the pupils react or not. But what you wanted to do is just have a look and see whether they are regarding you. And what you do is you can straight ask the person whether they're seeing you, yes or no. And what you can do as well is you can present an object, hide the object behind you, and then uh, using your right hand, just put it on the one side and see whether the patient is locating it. And then move it onto to the other side and see whether the person is locating it as well. So just remember, whenever you're looking at the eyes, we have four quadrants, you know, upper right, lower right, upper left, lower left. So these are the areas where you are going to put the stimulus and the stimuli, and you wanted the person to either regard onto it, you want the person to be able to pursue it, or you want to be able the person to be able to understand that it is actually there. So... After seeing that the person is uh, identifying objects or seeing you, ask them if they are seeing double or single, okay? So you present a finger and ask them how many do you see, you know, present one finger. Is it seeing one? Is it two? Ask them what the number of those fingers would be. And that is, again, present them on the four quadrants as well. And then you just locate if there are any problems, at this point you're not making any diagnosis all you're doing is just conducting some form of uh, observation okay the next thing that you do is you get a person to track an item and just keeping the person's head steady either by stabilizing the chin you don't necessarily have to do that But you may have to if the person is moving with their head. So you just want uh, the person to be able to move the eyes. And what you do is you go again upper left, lower left, onto the middle, track in between, across the midline, and then upper right and lower right. So basically what you're doing is you're doing a big letter H and you wanted the person to actually follow it and see that they are actually tracking it another thing that you do is again it's a confrontation test get the person to have a look at you straight into the nose or just look at the eyes without the person moving uh you just present some stimulus on one side on both sides and see and and two fingers for example just apart from one another if you're able to see it, and then the person should be able to see it as well. That's why it's one called its confrontation test, because you're presenting yourself onto the person and it almost feels like you're confronting the patient. But in here, what you're doing is you're using yourself as a point of reference that if you can see your fingers moving on the periphery, that the person should be able to do it as well. So if they cannot do it, then there is visual field uh, impairment. You can't say it's inattention yet, but at the moment, they can regard or they cannot regard. So it's either intact or impaired. Now, there is this situation about visual clarity or acuity. Um, at the end of the day, you know, get them to read something. So more details about this can be done if you have more like a, like a measuring tool, for example. But this is more on for the op- uh, orthoptist. Ask them whether they feel that their vision have gone blurry or not, worse or not. Uh, And really what you're seeing or what you're trying to look are some of the movements of the eyes. So ocular pursuit, that's what you're looking for. Another thing that you're looking for would be in attention or visual field. Um, And for example, if they say they cannot tell and you suspect that the person is not regarding the side or one particular side, what you can do is you bring your hands close to that eye that you have suspicion of, and then what you do is you ask the person whether the hand is moving close to them. Because when you move a hand close to the person's eye, there is a reflex of uh, reflexive movement where the eye would close. So this is called a visual threat. So if it is absent on one side, it is almost always that you need to suspect or that you may have to suspect that the person has visual field impairment. So some of the tricky aspect there is you would look uh, for some movement, which is the oscillating movement of the eye left and right. And this is a symptom called nystagmus. Okay, and uh, nystagmus is uh, uh, when the eye is weak or sometimes it's a response of the eye to a vestibular stimulation. So particularly for children and with children, if the children, you know, you spin the child over and you stop them, you can see that the eye carries on moving as well. So this is a nystagmus. Some say that, you know, if you put the eye and you push the eye over to one side and you can see that the eye carries on persisting and is moving left and right, some kind of an oscillatory movement, they say that that is a as well. Uh, But it's mostly, I would say that that's because the eye gets some, some kind of a weakness in terms of the eye movement as well. So, the eyes, uh, in terms of sensory or uh, optic nerves, uh, you know, they can acknowledge the light coming in. So, that's optic nerve. That's uh, um, um, cranial nerve mm. number two. And then all the movements of the eye is cranial nerve number three. So, it's almost easier to remember those movements that is not addressed or that's not the responsible. Ability of cranial nerve three, which is the movement of the eye down and out, yeah, which would be cranial nerve four, yeah, and then the uh, the, uh, the, the the trochlear nerve, and then the abduction, which is the lateral eye movement, and that is the cranial nerve um, number six, which is the abducens nerve. Okay, so there you go, guys. That's a very simple examination of the eye. I hope you get a little pointer on that. Um, You have symptoms like diplopia, uh, whereby the person is seeing two. You can have symptom that is called uh, inattention, visual field impairment, or homonymous hemianopia, where the person is only seeing one side or one visual field, which is uh, uh, to one side. And so you can have, you can describe the vision as well. So you can have peripheral vision is impaired. The central vision is, is impaired. Uh, um, and you can have the central vision is only the one that's intact, which is called the tunnel vision as well. Um, So there are some, some multiple problems that you just need to take a note of, really. So in terms of intervention, so the restorative intervention is really, really very difficult because the question is, how do you exercise the eyes, isn't it? You know, by keeping the eyes open, it will carry on receiving the light. So the eyes are like a camera. And then the interpretation is, gets taken onto the brain, and that's where the interpretation comes in, really. So in terms of restorative intervention, there's not a lot you can do. In terms of uh, you know the acuity. A diplopia can be addressed by patching the eyeglasses or patching you know, putting a patch on the other eye. And the potential reason why there is a diplopia is because the eyes are not moving in coordination with one another. So a good analogy for this is if you think about uh, using a binocular and if you have experienced this, there are situations sometimes when the two... uh, two goggles the ocular are not aligned with one another so what you're seeing are two circles but if those the binocular is in sync with one another then you will get to see one big round image and that is the you know the reason why you would have diplopia and uh, by patching one eye then you eliminate that This information that's being provided by by both eyes. So you're only using one eye. Now for the hemianopia, again, it is a situation where it is very hard to restore. Sometimes it comes back on its own, but sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, the only way around it is you need to teach the person to understand that it is a problem. So, you're doing a cognitive retraining and some form of education about the problem, getting them to be aware of the problem. And then, what you need to do is you need to teach them some compensatory strategies so that they'll be able to do some or they will be able to apply uh, these safety precautions. Because it is only when the person knows, when Only when the person knows that there is a problem can they compensate. And normally, in in, in my experience, it's so easy to disregard this because the person is functional. But without that retraining, there's been multiple occasions where the person has not been seeing the lower right uh, section of the Visual field, and so they have this tendency to walk through items, and they tend to trip on items on the lower right field. Okay, so the or lower left field, because normally it's a left heminopia, uh, But then again, it's not exclusive to left visual field; it can be on the right visual field as well. Another technique that you can do is uh, this technique called anchoring. Um, So, for example, if a person has to read something, you need to put a line on the, uh, say, the left side. So that indicates that the person, that's the frame of reference or the point of reference where the person can actually have a look before they can start moving or they they can do the reading. And that is anchoring as well. So you anchor on one item and hopefully they can read. By knowing. It is only by knowing. So when the person knows that there is an impairment, can they learn to adapt with it? The other thing, another type of anchoring is using two hands. So you put the hand, get the person to put their hands on the side and educate the person. So person with a visual field impairment, there's a tendency for them to only see the one side. So, if, for example, if they have a left hemi inattention, or uh, I meant uh, left hemianopia, then they may not be able to see the left hand if they put it across uh, or in front of them. So, by knowing that the hands are their workspace, then the person can actually start doing some kind of a uh, compensation by by knowing is when they can own start to adapt as well another exercise or treatment that you can do is you can do some scanning tasks so paper and pen activities where you can get the person or on the table you can put multiple items on the table and get the person to start counting the items you they can start categorizing it they can start grouping items You know, so that is again, it's it's not a restorative intervention, but it is more on a functional retraining and it is more on the side where you the person gets to be uh, familiar that there is a problem. So they get to learn to scan and by scanning, they don't just move the eyes, they have to move the head as well. So those are some of the interventions that they can have uh use of prisms for example so some of uh the eyes if they have some some things that are missing but usually the prism is if you want to see on 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 the floor if you're reading uh you can't move your your head or because you have a spinal cord injury so you have to wear a glasses like like a prism so that they can see their their feet or so they can read while they are lying down but that's nothing nothing to do with the eyes but it's just more on the ability of the person inability of the person to sit up to be able to read so i wish i could make it even more exciting for you guys um that's the i think those are the things that we would have oh uh, some of the things that you would observe so you can have Ptosis, you know, where there is a drooping eyelid, so a person would have ptosis. Um, You can have um, strabismus, okay? So these are some of the terminologies that are out there, you know, particularly for the eyes. Um, There you go. I hope you learned a little something today, and we have just had a little conversation about the eyes. Uh, about the vision and we talked about uh, some interventions that you can do as occupational therapists uh, because it is a sensory problem. Sensory retraining is a little bit tricky because the eyes is something that the only way to, to stimulate it is by putting light and allowing light to go into it. So any impairment there, you'd have to have some form of uh retraining and the most suitable one would be cognitive retraining where you increase the insight of the person. So when they are aware of the insight, they have more insight than they can compensate and they can compromise and they can compensate and they can do the, uh, you know, they can do their intermittent or they can do be functional by adapting to it. So that is uh, cognitive retraining. Or perceptual retraining, perceptual retraining is um, uh, you have, um, uh, you get them to understand what they are actually seeing. So a combination of both is called cognitive perceptual retraining. Alright guys, well I, I hope again, once again, I hope you learned a little something today um until next time so just talk about this amongst your peers talk about it you know have some joint uh, conversations have stimulating conversation challenge one another and see how that goes and uh, just remember anything you do matters and has an outcome until next time bye